Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everybody, to Talking Knicks. Since we last spoke, the Knicks have had two games, and they were defeated by the Toronto Raptors, 113-88. to and then they were defeated by the Indiana Pacers, 121 and to 113. But hey, let's talk next. The New York Knicks select Christoph Porzingis. Post and toes, puffing and stuffing. Again, igniting and exciting the guard crowd. All right, I'm here with Kenny and Tom. Kenny and Tom, you guys were hanging out this weekend. How was your weekend? Let's start with you, Kenny, since you're my brother. Yeah, a little nepotism. I love it. Uh, yeah, I was hanging out with Tom. We went to a wedding down in uh, New Jersey last night, which was just wild. It was a heck of a time. High school buddy John Cram, tall drink of water, and uh, they just threw a heck of a party. Tom, anything to add to that? Well, everything they say is true. February in New Jersey is beautiful. and uh, Amazing. Yeah, the, the ceremony was, was, a, was a beautiful thing. And Two we tall we, people. They're they're gonna have tall kids probably play. Probably, probably play be on the Knicks. Like yeah. yeah. And we were we were saying, Tom, that uh, I get my all my weather information from my barber once a month when I get my hair cut, and she told me it was gonna be a beautiful day, and that was just a lie. We drove down there to New Jersey, two hour drive, just pouring the entire time. So well, that's you can't trust your barber. Who can you trust? That's beautiful to some people. So it's all in perspective, but hey, enough about that. Let's talk about the New York Knicks. I mean, we're just going to gloss over these two games. I don't know if we have much to say. First game, Knicks were playing with 10 players because they were missing four people and they traded two people, which we'll get into. Playing with 10 players, including two guys on two-way contracts. First time we've seen those guys in actual gameplay. Luke Cornett and Isaiah Hicks getting some minutes. Uh, The Raptors, Kyle Lowry scored seven points and DeMar DeRozan scored eight points and the Knicks lost by 25. So that's the state of the Knicks now. Uh, going to be a tough life without Porzingis, but apparently the Raptors bench is pretty good, but they don't usually do that when their two best players do badly. But what'd you see, Ken? What'd you see or, or think? doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, the Knicks lost. I, I think we're, getting back to kind of that point where we were at the beginning of the season where we aren't really expecting much out of them. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking for kind of the other takeaways and, you know, Luke Cornett had a heck of a game, you know, 11 points, 10 rebounds. He uh, hit three threes and had four blocks. So that's a, that's a solid showing for a guy that, you know, we're not expecting anything out of, but maybe we can find him and, you know, he ends up being a, a Chris Copeland type guy off the bench which uh, would be nice moving forward. And then the the real question was Trey Burke in that game got 13 minutes and Frank got 21. And like you said, they were missing a lot of players. So, you know, I'm just not sure how, you know, they didn't get a, a few more minutes to those guys. But Well, I mean, there's mostly front court guys. From the normal yeah. rotation, they're losing. Um, yeah, but they um, – 
Hornacek did say, you know, they were after the the Porzingis injury, they were planning on getting a few more minutes to the young players, and then he went out there and put Trey Burke out for 13 minutes. But I mean, maybe he's not really a part of the plan moving forward, despite you know he had some very good games before the Porzingis injury. But you know, tough to say. Uh, I guess the other point was Timmy Hardaway has been struggling, and it continued in that game. Uh, one for six from three, which you know is more of the same from him lately. But he uh, he he made a few shots tonight, so maybe he's he's busting out of it. All right. Yeah. What what did you think, Tom? Yeah, Kenny. That's actually exactly where I was going to go. So like this is this was the first game uh, without Porzingis uh, after his season-ending injury against the Bucks, and so what you're looking for is to see how how the guys respond, and, and specifically how the guy in the seventy-one million dollar contract responds. Who's Joking Noah. now going to be our not Noah? I'm talking Tim Hardaway Jr., who's now going to be our, our primary option in these games. And like you said, he's just continued to struggle in his last in his last nine games. He's shooting 19 percent from three on six attempts a game. I mean, it's pretty pretty brutal. Overall, he's shooting 31 percent from the field on 13 field goal attempts. So, I mean, this is that's including today's game where he actually hit a few. So. What was that stretch? How many games? This was uh, the Knicks' past ten games. Hardaway Jr. has played in nine of those past ten. Yeah, it's uh, pretty. It's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, nineteen percent from three. It, it's, it can only go up. I think uh, mathematically, it can't get any lower than that. So, but uh, you know what I'm, you know what I would expect from him is that he won't make an, another shot for the rest of the season until the last game. He's going to go off, and we're going to drop a spot in the lottery because of it. That's what's gonna happen. There's the there's the old pessimism. It's back, guys. It's back. Yeah, yeah. we're back where we we have always been, uh, other than for for a couple months this year where we thought we were good for some reason. Uh, I mean, we can move on to the Pacer game today. Uh, we we lost again. We were losing by twenty at one point, and it didn't really seem close at all for the most of that time. And then in the the fourth quarter, we made a little run, got it to within. Seven, I think. Then we just lost anyway, so it was pretty sad. Uh, Kenny, you watched it. What did you think? I did watch it. Uh, you know, it's it's like we were saying. At this point, winning, not really an expectation anymore, so you're looking to see what you got. And, you know, Frank and Moutier got 31 and 29 minutes respectively, and you love to see that. And Jarrett Jack, thanks for what you did for us for the those few months of the season, but – only got eight minutes tonight, which I'm pretty pumped about because he's obviously not kind of going to be on the team when the Knicks are good. So you, you prefer to, to play those young players. And, you know, everyone was talking when the Moutier trade, not everyone, but uh, like I know the Daily News had a back, back page that was just saying how uh, Moutier coming in was the end of Frank. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. These are two very big point guards. Both of them can play off the ball. So it's they're a very good kind of backcourt to have moving forward because you know you can never have enough interchangeable pieces and you know two guys who can handle the ball and guard multiple positions that's a great thing to have in this league and you know they got a lot of minutes together tonight and showed that yeah and the last time the Knicks were good we had Jason Kidd and Raymond Felton starting so and and Prigs coming off the bench yeah so. Nothing wrong with point guards. Point guards are good, especially when they got the size that these these guys are. They're both six five. So, um, I mean, do you got anything to say about this game, Tom? 
Well, I mean, I got a couple things. I'd say first, uh, Kenny, newspapers just got to sell copies, right? Yeah, can't, can't it's, the daily it's the daily news. The daily news. Don't take it too seriously. Yeah. Um, and I know you made the point before that the last time Hornacek was a successful coach, he was doing like the three point guard lineups in Phoenix with that was with Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe, Goran Dragic, and Isaiah Thomas when they had that surprise year um was, was brandon knight on that team too or was that i think once he got brought in that was kind of the beginning of the end for that group right. but uh if i'm remembering that correctly but um I, I mean i don't have too much to say about this pacers game um but it does kind of lead us into you know the big news of the week you know we haven't done a pod since the trade deadline so well i got, I got one more thing about this game okay uh, like if we cared about winning then Luke Cornett was in this game for too long. He was like in the game during the fourth quarter when the Knicks were making this little comeback. And he was just, he was minus 14 in this game. And he was playing during the a 10 point game in the fourth quarter. So uh, it might have been a little, I don't, I don't know, wishful of Hornacek just to think he'd do a good job. I, I, I don't know. It was weird. If you cared about winning the game, then Hornacek did a bad job by just putting in this two-way contract player in the fourth quarter of a close game. So got to get my Hornacek criticism out. But we can move on to the more important stuff. Let's let's go, Tom. Well, yeah, Greg, I think that the, the real story of that Pacers game was the, the newest addition, Emmanuel Moutier, going for the 14 points and the 10 assists. He was 5 of 14 from the field, which isn't great. 0 of 3 from 3. He's not really known as a shooter. Um, but, you know, he, he showed some flashes of what he can be, being uh, aggressive, getting into the paint, driving the ball, penetrating, kicking out. And that's kind of where most of his assists came from. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we could probably talk a little bit about the trade, what having to give up Doug McDermott in that, uh, that three-team trade that, that brought Moody A to the Knicks. Well, what did you guys think of that trade overall? Like, were, were you bummed that we lost McDermott, McBuckets? We, we were kind of high on him at the beginning of the season. I know I was. Um, but he's sort of fallen out of favor. So what do you guys think of, uh, of that transaction? We'll, we'll let you lead that one off, Kenny. What's... So, I mean, I, I always love to watch uh, Dougie McBuckets with the backdoor cuts and everything. And I know I, I sent you guys the Kylo Quinn tweet where he's, you know, welcoming, welcoming Moutier to the team and said, oh, by the way, do you know how to cut backdoor? I'll explain it to you later because Kylo Quinn was – and uh, McDermott had that backdoor connection that would usually be a Kylo Quinn pass from the high post to to McDermott for the backdoor dunk and that was that was fun but at the same time you know McDermott he started out the season pretty hot and then he fell out of favor and he was also missing a lot of shots and he was missing a lot of just open shots that are you know the shots that he needs to to knock down so this kind of takes a you know, some pressure off the Knicks in terms of terms of decision making because he's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the year, and if someone makes him an offer, the Knicks have to you know consider whether they want to match that or just let him walk. Whereas now Moutier is under contract for a couple more years, so you know it delays that decision and it brings in a guy who can who's younger and can play the point and can play a little off ball too. And like I said before, he he figures to you know be a pretty interesting backcourt with uh, Nilakina just based on their size and their ability to, to switch on the defensive end and s- switch on the offensive end, um, depending on the situation and, you know, and the matchups. So 
you know, I'm I'm a pretty big fan of the of the trade, um, just for those reasons. And you know, I'm I'm interested to see and in how because Moutier is only I believe 21, and he's going to turn 22 in a month or two. So you know, these are these are young guys, and this is a guy that we thought about taking ahead of Porzingis in uh, 2015. So you know, it's it's one of those second chance guys that's basically a second chance at a lottery pick, which you know, for Doug McDermott, I will gladly take that. Like that's, I feel like that's a great return. Yeah, and um, we we liked Doug, we liked what he, we liked what we thought he could do, but it seemed that he was very inconsistent. He seemed to miss a lot of open shots, and he he always seemed to rush every single shot that he took. Uh, he was our best shooter, other than maybe Porzingis, but Hornacek just didn't seem to like him very much, so he. Like wasn't really playing. It seemed he, he, as Kenny mentioned, he was falling out of the rotation. So, if you're not going to play on a really bad team, and we could get a a good former number six pick or number seven pick for you, and we don't plan to resign you anyway, that's that's a good deal for me, Tom. And then the pick swap was there's a little pick swap involved, but the the pick swap was between two teams who were one game apart in the standings. So that, that didn't really matter either. But um, should we get on to the next trade? Or you got you got anything to say about Manny, Tom? Oh, I mean, not not too much that to add from what you guys just said. I I will say one thing with uh, with Moutier is that he's often criticized for his defense. Like he's got all the tools. He's a he's a big guy. He's athletic, um, big for his position, I should say. But he just seems to never know where to be on defense. And I was looking for that in this Pacers game. And I will say just one play. I know it's not fair to criticize someone based on one play, but um, he he drove the ball. He thought he got hit and he just kind of complained a little bit to the refs. He jogged back on defense and didn't jog back to his own man. He jogged back just to the general paint area and um, the Pacers were able to, to kick it out for a wide open three, which they hit. So I was like, that's not a great sign. You know, your first game, you think you'd be showing maximum effort, um, trying to make a good impression. But uh, I think he's, I think he's got some really bad habits uh, on defense, just from reputation wise. And and we'll see if that, if that bears out, but yeah. hopefully, hopefully Hornacek can, can clean some of those up. I noticed that as well. And uh, we don't, Knicks don't play defense. So who, who cares? <laughs> right, Kenny? Yeah. And I mean, I, I will say watching him on defense, there were um, kind of a couple times where, he struggled to get either under or over the screen and just kind of left his wide, his man wide open. And I think that's, you know, part of the kind of benefit of having all these interchangeable pieces. Cause when he first came in, it was him, Frank and um, Tim Hardaway Jr. Who were all, you know, similar size and, you know, all, you know, long athletic, you know, defenders, not necessarily of the same caliber, but their ability to just switch on everything makes it easier in those situations when you're you're faced with a a pick and roll or something like that. So hopefully that helps them out. All right. Well we got high hopes for Emmanuel Moutier and Frank in the future. So we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little more going forward. Um but this other trade, this is the a heartbreaking one for our boy Willie Hernan Gomez. Everybody liked him, but he was not in the next rotation. Um all-rookie first team last year, barely played at all this year. Uh, 
So we sent him. He actually asked for a trade or to play, and I guess he wasn't going to play for the Knicks. He had a really nice contract. Uh, he was making maybe the minimum, like $1.4 million for the next two seasons. So that would have been nice for, for our uh, – I don't know for our, our our salary getting figuring stuff out with Porzingis extension coming having Hardaway on the books for a lot Courtney Lee on the books for a lot the 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 very small contract looked good but we sent him on his way to the Charlotte Hornets for two second round picks in 2019 and 2020 is that right Tom Yeah that that's that's right okay and so so what do you think about that Tom you you were the one who told me that maybe the Hornets are bad then well, yeah, I think as a Knicks fan, you have to hope that there was a lot of that Kemba Walker trade talk for this past trade deadline that just didn't materialize. I, I heard that I was hearing that Michael Jordan was not accepting any offers um, of players who were not all-star caliber. So, you know, that's that's kind of tough. I mean, Kemba Walker's on on a great contract at this point, but once that expires, he's going to look to get paid, and I don't know if Charlotte's the, the place that can do that. So, um yeah, the hope is that at some point Walker's out of there and the Hornets just, you know, relapse to, to how they were a few seasons ago when they were the Bobcats. And, like, the, those second-round picks end up looking like, you know, 31, 32, 33 in that range, which is a very valuable pick. I know Kenny thinks that those picks are even more valuable than you know, the end of first rounds. So um, yeah. if you want to explain that, Kenny. Yeah, so – just generally first round picks because there's a guaranteed contract and it's a set amount, you know, there is, you know, some kind of downside to that with one of the first picks in the second round, you know, there's no guaranteed contract. So you can, you're free to negotiate however you want. And, you know, the, the chances that your big board and the big board of the team picking one pick ahead of you are going to have the same guy that late Maybe they they take the the one player you're gonna pick, but you know, more likely than not, the guy that you want is gonna be available at 31 if he's available at 30. So, I just think that's a that's a good spot to be in, just because you know of the the flexibility that it gives you. Um, that being said, I know I was one of the people who was vocal against trading Billy, just because it seems like the dumbest thing you could do by getting a guy that that was first team all rookie last year not having him play at all, just really depressing the trade value and then sending him on his way. But, you know, two two high second-round picks hopefully is, you know, I think a decent return. Uh, I would have liked to see, you know, I know you guys have talked about either patch, packaging that good contra- contract and a solid player uh, for, you know, something else. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm not. It's not a terrible return. I just, it, I don't know if it was the right time to sell on this guy. Yeah, and let's go with the the guaranteed contract thing. I mean, it that's good if if the player is bad. I, I don't know that. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I'd say I'd rather have a pick at the end of the first round than at the beginning of the second round. So, hate to disagree with you, but. The, the non-guaranteed thing also has its downsides as, uh, I know, Wes, Math- Wes, Mathle- Ma- <clears throat> Wes Matthews Jr. was undrafted. Then he ended up balling out on his rookie rookie year, 
And then his second season, he signed a contract, and he was the highest paid player in his draft class in the second year after going undrafted because of the non-guaranteed contract. And also, Ron Baker makes $180,000 less than Chris Stapps Porzingis this year because he wasn't on a guaranteed rookie scale contract. So you get stuff like that happening, too, with this second that, round. That's why you, you do a better job, you know, because Hernan Gomez was a second round pick and he was the best contract on the on the Knicks. So, like, I mean, there there is a downside if you don't lock them up to a longer term deal. Like if if you lock them up to a one year deal and then they ball out, then you're going to have to pay them. But if you if you're in that position and you think that they're a decent player and you lock them up for the, the same three, four five years, then, you know, you're, you're not going to be paying them nearly as much. Yep, fair point. But yeah, I mean, yeah. look, I think that what when you get two first or two second round picks for Hernan Gomez, the hope is that you're when you draft those second round picks that they end up being as good as Hernan Gomez, which is kind of the funny thing here. Like that's kind of the ceiling yeah. of I shouldn't say the ceiling, but you know the 80th percentile of what second round picks end up looking like. Um, so it was a little strange. I think part of it was just positionally the Knicks didn't have room. So to feature him, it seemed like a little bit of a play that uh, a statement that they want to keep Kylo Quinn. Maybe try and work out uh, something with him when he when his contract. I know he's got a player op- is a player option coming up. Yeah, uh, in this offseason, yeah. So maybe it showed that, that, that they're more inclined to keep Enos Cantor and Kylo Quinn here. But it, it is curious, just considering you know what percent of Cantor's game does Hernan Gomez give you, or could he potentially give you? with some modicum of player development in the, over the next two years and at what price. So we'll see how that all plays out. But uh, I, I know I'm not keen on keeping Cantor, especially if he gets paid what he seems to think he deserves, you know, just based on some of his comments in the media. But um, I don't know. It seems like some of the Knicks fan base, from what I've seen on Twitter, would not agree. They think we should keep Cantor regardless of what he wants to get paid, thinking that he – deserves 20 million a year which is just in no world is that even a possibility for Cantor but I was just seeing that floating around on Twitter yeah and I mean if you think about it now um if if it happened two summers ago when Joe Kim Noah was getting his 72 million dollar deal Joe or Enos Cantor's probably getting a max deal or something like that like Harrison Barnes or something but nowadays now that everybody ran out of money and now they realize they should be more cautious Enos Cantor's probably looking at I don't know, like ten to twelve million dollars. If I had to guess, does that seem like a fair market value for you, Tom? Yeah, I mean, it, it just depends on what teams are out there who need a, a big. I, I think, I think ten million a year is a good value for a guy like him. Like he brings a lot of intangibles. He also brings some solid rebounding, a lot of touch around the basket. Um, but his his deficiencies are just so you know, well publicized at this point, everyone knows what you're getting with him. So yeah, t- 10 million a year for a kind of a one way guy. That's sort of in the mold of what you'd expect Marcus smart to get. I think Yeah. Uh, another one way guy, he's all defense or the opposite of cancer and, and Roberson or Robertson. He's like a, a probably a, a 10 yep. million a year guy. Yeah. He's, he's making like 12 ish, but yeah. So Kenny, what do you think going forward? Do you think we're going to keep, we want to keep Enos Cantor and Kylo Quinn for the long haul. And is that a good idea or, or not? I mean, it, it seems like that's kind of the plan. Although, you know, I I think a lot of it is going to hinge on, you know, 
what happens in the draft at this point, just because there is a lot of very talented centers in uh, this upcoming draft. And at this point, we're kind of looking, we're on the downward slope to hopefully get a better pick. And so if we end up with some luck and get in the the top three, or even, you know, we lose down to the seventh or eighth spot, there's a lot of very good centers there that you know could take Cantor's spot. And then he becomes kind of a, an afterthought when he becomes a free agent. But, you know, I'm not in love with Cantor being the center of the future. I, I like Kyle O'Quinn as a backup, um, as a backup center for the team, you know, however long he wants to stay here. But I don't know about Cantor being, you know, a starting center on this team when we want to be good in a few years, just because of those defensive problems that he has and just his complete inability to guard the pick and roll, which, you know, people know that. So if you go into a playoff matchup and people know that you can't guard the pick and roll, guess what? That's all they're going to do is they're going to run a pick and roll at you every single time down the court. And the teams in the playoffs have the players to capitalize on, you know, your, your inability to do that. So I, I just, you know, can't see him being the the answer there for the future. Yeah. And then as far as keeping Kylo Quinn goes, you have to think that they they plan on keeping him around because they should have traded him at the trade deadline. Otherwise, he if he he's about to be a free agent, assuming he opts out of this contract, which people are thinking he's gonna do because he's a good player. It's only a four point two million dollar option. So he thinks he he could probably get more than that or even if he just gets that same amount of money, he could get more years on it. So I don't know, three for twelve or three for thirteen would be better than one year for four million. So uh, you'd think the Knicks would have done something like the Magic did with Alfred Payton. Apparently, they were Elf- Alfred Payton was being shot by the Magic. Apparently, they asked the Knicks for like Frank Nielakina for him, and then they ended up selling him for a second round pick to the Suns. But Apparently, like I think that the Magic were actually asking for Frank, and they thought they could get something like that for Alfred Payton. And then as it came down to the wire, they weren't getting that kind of deal, so they just took anything they got, anything they could get, because they weren't planning on re-signing him in the offseason. So you'd think the Knicks, if they were planning on not re-signing Kylo Quinn in the offseason, they would have done something similar, Right. It's like you always say, Greg, something's better than nothing. So that's that seems to be what Orlando was doing there. So exactly. I, I agree with yeah. you. And I think that uh, they do plan on keeping him around. Otherwise, there was also no reason to get rid of Billy if they weren't keep planning on keeping him around. Yeah, I think I just wonder how much something was actually available for Kylo Quinn. Because, I mean, Greg, you brought up Alfred Payton. He's a 23, he's about to turn 24-year-old former top 10 point guard, which is a more valuable position than center is right now in the league. Um, and they only got one second round pick for, for Alfred Payton, who at least has some upside to him. He's shown flashes of, of some serious potential. Um, I mean, Kylo Quinn, you know what he is. He's 27 at this point. He's, he's a solid backup center. Um, but if you're only getting that one second round pick for Payton, what are you really expecting for Kylo Quinn? Hey, that's a good question. And that's just, eh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it just goes to show. Like, <laughs> it just goes to show where the market was in uh, this this trade deadline. P- players, yeah. just teams weren't. There were just so many sellers, not very many buyers, and it just depressed everyone's value. That's why um, 
Tyreek Evans, the, the, the Grizzlies were so set on not moving him unless they got a first-round pick that I think they passed up some actually decent offers for Tyreek Evans. But, no, I mean, no one wants to sell a first-round pick to, to get two and a half, three months of a guy, no matter how much he's going to help him uh, in the short term. Yeah, and I mean, I I think that it's kind of a little different of a situation um, for Alfred Payton and Kylo Quinn just because – you know, I think there's a, a few contenders out there who could have used Kyle Quinn that would have given up a second rounder. Whereas, you know, um, the Phoenix situation, they're not good right now. So, if they uh, they take Peyton on and you know plan to pay, pay him, then you know I think it's it's not exactly the same because I don't think that uh, Kyle Quinn's going to you know deserve all that much more money than he's making now. So it's not as much of a, a risk if they do want to resign him, and you know he might help them move forward um, in the playoffs this season. All right. So let's, unless anyone else has anything important to say, we're going to move on to a, a fun, fun segment called how bad are the Knicks? And we're going to, how low do you think we can go in the lottery? In recent weeks, we've been passed by the Charlotte Hornets and the Los Angeles Lakers. So we are now in, in, in our current, state we are slotted as the ninth pick so how far how much further can we drop we have four more wins than the bulls and nets who are eighth and seventh and i mean we have six more wins than the kings who are first so what, what are you thinking tom i mean it's tough to think that the kings might reach us because we'll probably win a couple more games and they are very very bad these bad teams are very bad and they've been bad all season so yeah, the then, Knicks. The Knicks have banked a lot of a lot of wins, but I mean, just having watched them play these last couple of games without Porzingis, the Knicks are just as bad as any of these other teams. Yeah, especially can, if especially yeah. if Tim Hardaway Jr. stays the way he's been these last few days, he's definitely the worst player. No, they're definitely up there with the worst teams, is what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing is like it's almost hard to know what to root for at this point because <laughs> you you want you just paid. Tim Hardaway Jr., $71 million. He's on the books for a while now. You want to see him step up in Porzingis' absence. And, and what you, the ideal situation is he steps up and the Knicks lose in overtime every game, right? <laughs> but, like, yeah, you don't want to see him, like, be the reason that they're tanking the season because then that doesn't bode well for future years. You want to see some some development. Um, there. I, how bad can the Knicks be, though? Like, I'm just looking at other teams who have been – playing decently as of late. Um, I mean, these bad teams are all very, very bad. Yeah, uh, like the Magic are 5-5 five and five in their last 10. That's okay, but I don't the two, see The two teams closest to us are the Bulls and the Nets, who are 2-8 and eight and 1-9 and nine in their last 10 games. Like It's, it's going to be tough to get teams like that to catch up to us when we have a four-game head start. Well, especially because the Bulls traded away their best player in Miritich. He'd been probably their most productive player since he'd been playing, and they kind of saw that their little mini renaissance happened when he came back from those, uh, his broken face. So uh, Brooklyn, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, I think that the Knicks pick will probably be slated around that 8-9 spot because there are just so many bad teams here. It's just really difficult. Like I can see the Mavericks being pretty well coached and, and then the fact that the Grizzlies kept Tyreek Evans. The Grizzlies and the Mavs are two teams I think could – win a few more games, especially as other teams go to tank. Like they're probably going to be a little better coached. And um, I mean, Dirk's a pride, prideful player. We'll, we'll see. 
Yeah, and one one thing is the Nets don't own their pick. So when when those other teams go to tank, they'll be taking advantage of that. I think. And Kenny, you look like you're nodding your head. What do you think about that? I agree with what you just said. Brooklyn has no reason to to lose. So, you know, with a lot of other teams tanking, I think Brooklyn could win a few more games. And I think we only have four more wins than them right now. So that's a team that could pass us. You know, Chicago has been weird this season. Like, I know they were one of the worst teams for a long time. And then Miritich came back and they won a bunch of games. And then they traded Miritich, um, which was, yeah, I guess he had to get out of there after the whole Bobby Portis situation. Um, but, you know, there's they they could win some games. And then I think, like Tom said, Memphis is another team that they could also win some games. So I think, you know, those three directly in front of the Knicks, the Knicks may be able to drop under. I'm not expecting it. Um, I expect the Knicks to kind of stay pretty similar to where they are at eight or nine because I don't think other than Brooklyn, I don't think any of those teams have any reason to win. So I would expect them to stay around eight or nine, but I think they could get as high as six. All right. Hey, that'd be, that'd be not bad. Yeah. And, and, and with the bulls, um, they did just beat the Timberwolves and they got Levine back recently. I mean, he was back for like a couple weeks overlapping with the Miritich rain, but now it's his team. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the Bulls are up to. Yeah. So, what what are we looking at in the draft? What does the next team need to add? Uh, I know you mentioned like if if we get best player available, one of those top centers. It's a very front court heavy draft. It seems like. So if we draft one of those guys, we can move on from a guy like Cantor, which wouldn't be bad. So what, what do you what do you think? And otherwise. People seem to think a wing would be an ideal thing just to put next to Porzingis and Hardaway as our first two options. So, Tommy, what do you got for me? What do we need? I mean, you said it with the wing thing. I'm just looking at the Knicks depth chart right now, and they've got one small forward listed, and that's Tim Hardaway Jr., who's probably more of naturally a, a shooting guard. Um, I I mean, Lance Thomas, I guess, is kind of a, a more traditional small forward, but he's listed as a power forward here on ESPN's website. There just frankly aren't many wings. Like the Knicks are going to have to go to these two point guard lineups, um, just so we have like five capable players on the court. Um, yeah, if if there's a a wing with any upside, I think you got to go there. Unless there's unless there's some guy who's just the overwhelming consensus yeah. pick. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I'm going for the wing. Yeah, scoring wing or, or a defender stopper kind of wing or what are we looking for more? Well, I mean. I get a, two, a two-way wing that doesn't really drop that low, I guess. It's yeah. like the most important position in the league. So um, I, I think I'd go with a scoring wing and try and see if I could get a, a coach in there to just teach this team some defensive principles. Because I, I want to say that can be taught as long as he's like a hardworking guy who shows some effort, then I, I would lean towards the scoring wing. Yeah, I guess I was, I was talking to put names onto these examples. It's It's – Miles Bridges is the scoring wing, and Mikael Bridges is the stopper wing. They're both from Villanova and uh, Michigan, State. Michigan State. Yeah. So, what do you think about those two guys, Kenny? Which I know Mikael Bridges is your boy, but what do you think about those two guys' possible fits with the New York Knicks? Yeah, Bridges is my boy, um, just because he's long and uh, he's a great defender, and he's a he's become a knockdown shooter this year. Mikael Bridges, um, and he's. 
Mikael. We're talking Mikael. about two people named Bridges. So, yeah. So don't say, yeah, I'm talking don't about, say Bridges yeah, is yeah. my boy. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but you, you said Bridges is your boy. So I was just continuing on. I thought people, by the context clues, people would be able to figure it out. But um, he's, you know, he's a very good defensive player. And, you know, that's something the Knicks need at the wing because right now, you know, Courtney Lee's getting a little older. He's not the defender he used to be. He's he's solid, but he's unspectacular. And uh, so that would be kind of a great addition there. And, you know, Miles Bridges, great athlete. You know, he's kind of the, the do-it-all guy for Michigan State. So I think either of those guys is a good pick. If, you know, by some miracle, the Knicks sneak up a few spots, Michael Porter Jr. is up there and uh, Luka Doncic is out has always been kind of the the favorite of this pod of of uh, as far as wings on the board. So I think those are kind of the four top wings on the board if uh if we're in those spots, but I think like Tom said if if one of those centers is available, that's just the by far the best player on the on the board whether it's uh DeAndre Ayton or uh Marvin Bagley Jr. or whoever it is, you know, but yeah there's just a lot of talent on the board, so We'll we'll see what happens, and you know, hopefully, we have our pick of them. Yeah, yeah go, going back to the the tanking point, though, I think the the Knicks could have done a little bit better job at the trade deadline of making sure that this tank worked. Like Courtney yeah. Lee is a very good player, and we talked about him, the potential of him moving for a long time leading up to the trade deadline. There was a whole discussion as to whether he was worth a first round pick. In this market, he just he wasn't worth that. But that's not to say that – I mean, with Porzingis being out for the rest of this year and for much of next year, we can kind of chalk these up to lost seasons, unfortunately, but that's just the reality of it. And since that's the case, I think the Knicks could have afforded to take on a little money, a little bad money, because next year is kind of a, a – you chalk it up for a lost season anyway. I, I didn't – I was talking to Kenny about it earlier today on the drive back from the wedding, and I was saying, why – the, the Pistons, for example, they're on the fringe. They really are desperate to make the playoffs. Stan Van Gundy is, is coaching for and GMing for his job. They just lost Avery Bradley. They need a shooting guard. Their backcourt's pretty thin. And I, and I propose, like, why not even look at a trade like Courtney Lee for John Luer, who's making $10 million a year for the next few years, which is a garbage contract, and a first-round pick? Like That, to me, is the kind of thing that that the Knicks should have been looking to do at the trade deadline. And that when you do that, you you ship out Courtney Lee. So that enforces the tank even further. And you get a first round pick and and you take on a guy whose contract is garbage, but you already have Noah on the books for those seasons. And you would have been paying Courtney Lee anyway. So it just what do you guys think about like a trade like that, Greg? Do you think that sounds reasonable? Yeah, I mean it makes it makes sense to me. The one thing I would note, I mean that's a very specific example. It's it's tough to make make a, a deal with uh with the contracts that are big like like uh Courtney Lee or Enos Cantor in the middle of the season because you got to match the salary. It's easier to do to move that kind of contract during the summer when some people are still under the cap. So I wouldn't be surprised to see those guys on their way out in the off season. But yeah, yeah, they, that should be the type of deal they were looking at. I know I mentioned Iman Shumper and the Cavs first for Courtney Lee, which the Cavs did something very similar. They went and got Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance for Shumper, Channing Fry, and a first-round pick. So, And to be they, fair, those guys are a lot younger than Courtney Lee, but if you're looking to win right now, like Jordan Clarkson 
is way overpaid, and he's just not that good. I, like he's not going to be the reason LeBron sticks around, that's for sure. So yeah. that, that might have been more of a forward-looking play in case, like insurance in case LeBron leaves, getting Nance and Clarkson, who are both, you know, what are they, 22, 23 years old. So I, I guess I get that from that perspective. But, um, yeah, I, I'm hoping that the Knicks front office, you know, sees it the same way and that they're going to want to take on a little more money these next couple seasons and hopefully get back some assets in doing so. Because there aren't a lot of teams willing to take on money and I think the Knicks should be with Porzingis out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Knicks, we have to wait until the last year of Joe Kim Noah's contract when we finally decide to uh, to, to spread out his contract over, over three years and then take that cap hit for three years instead of the last year's contract. And then we'll spend our money, and then we'll be contended in three years. It's a three-year plan in my book. What do you think about that, Kenny? Does that sound right? Yeah, and I mean, I, I was telling Tom uh, on that same car ride he was discussing that I would have been happy with taking salary until the end of Joakim Noah's contract because, you know, that's when we make our move is once Joakim Noah is off the books because right now he's just eating up way too much of the cap and that'll free up a lot of space to to fill any holes that we have. Because right now I think the plan is to get, you know, young assets and try to develop them and then – if we have any holes when the time comes, then we'll have money to to plug those holes. So, I'm uh, I'm with you. Um, I don't I don't you know love the idea of stretching that much money, but and just having that on our books for that long. But you know, if we're hitting a point where it looks like we could contend if we did that, then I think that would probably be the play. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, we wouldn't if if we're not about to actually be really good there's no point in that taking the cap for three years and ruining the next two years of payroll too but it's Joakim Noah and he's the worst player in the NBA so he's not even on the team anymore pretty much so just get rid of him as soon as you can right I think that's what we're all thinking anyways I think that's that's most of what we got unless you guys got any other topics you want to talk about I mean, I just I kind of just want to keep hammering the Knicks for the trade deadline a little bit. They did fine, like the Moutier move. We we said we uh, we lost you, Tom, for a second. But Moutier move was good. I agree. Um, got younger. That's just another thing. Like Kenny said, that's like a second draft type of move. Um, uh, but it was good. I think I think we got you back, Tom. What are you What are you saying? Or maybe we don't. Uh, I don't know. Tom? Nah, we lost you, Tom. So can you, can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so what I was saying is the, the Cavs were obviously buyers on the trade deadline. They went and got George Hill. Yep, George Hill and Rodney Hood. Oh, are you guys are you guys hearing a little something coming through? We noise? got you. All right, you yeah. guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of it on my end. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we can talk. Kenny, what? Uh, so I mean, I. Completely off of what Tom was saying, but um, just getting back to what the Knicks should do during the draft. I think the one kind of the one position they don't want to fill up is point guard because now they have four of them. I mean, I guess after the season, Jared Jack is gone, but you know, that's a, that's a, that's a spot that's filled with, you know, young players right now. They have Trey Burke, they have uh, Frank and they have Moutier. So, you know, if you're in a spot to, where you know you're thinking about Trey Young or I don't know Colin Sexton out of Alabama, those aren't guys that you want because you know you don't want to 
stunt anyone else's development by bringing in you know additional competition in an already crowded backcourt. So I think you gotta you gotta either go with a wing or a big, and that's that's all it comes down to. And you know if you're bringing in a big, it has to be someone that complements Porzingis because you you also don't want to you know mess with Porzingis's you know future. So those are my two bugaboos as far as the NBA draft is no point guards and no one that's going to mess with uh, Porzingis's ability to do what he does. Hey, I think that's a good idea. And I mean, the Trey Burke thing is Trey Burke is going to be a free, free agent at the end of this year too. So I, th- I thought he was um, under contract for next season as well. Not guaranteed though. Yeah, that could be true. I don't know. Maybe check your facts before you say stuff. I mean, that- you, you, could, you could say the same thing to me. <laughs> yeah. You are right. Trey Burke, $1.7 million next season. You win there this you round. Tom, we go. got you back. You do, yeah. My, uh, my... No, Tom, we we'll lost you again. We heard you say you do have me back. This is getting sloppy at the end here. Feeling bad. I'm doing a bad job hosting. This is getting brutal. Uh, yeah, I wish Jake was here. Oh, oh Jake. I wish Tom was here to tell everyone what happened to Jake. This weekend, because Jake was also at the wedding, and uh, I guess because Tom Tom has lost his mic, I'll explain what happened. Um, nothing too crazy, but like after the wedding, people went to the bar because that's what people do. So they went to the hotel bar. Jake flew in from Denver to New Jersey, didn't have a hotel room, so he was just carrying his bag with him to the wedding, um, just hanging out all night. Uh, Tom and I were sharing a room. We're like, "Hey, there's a couch in the room. Just crash there." Jake says, nah, I'm all right. The Uber's coming. This morning, we were talking to the bride. She's like, yeah, John said that she saw him just, like, passed out on the couch in the hotel at, like, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. So, like, this was several hours after Tom left. So, apparently, Jake just slept in the hotel lobby and then, you know, took an Uber back to the to the airport and hopped on a plane back to Denver. So, yeah, so we'll see if uh, if Jake wants that information made public or if we want (laughs) to cut all that out um we'll probably want to cut it after my i guess my headphones just completely malfunctioned and uh that happens to me like once a pod so i guess i should probably invest in a microphone by now but uh yeah so what i was saying (laughs) before all that yeah, I can't believe you just told that Jake story, by the way. But um, <laughs> I feel like that's a perfectly reasonable story. That's a good story. I appreciated it. Let's let's well, see where you got, Tom. You're talking about what we did at the trade deadline with Moody. A. Well, and so where I wanted to go with that was the Cavaliers were cl- were clearly buyers at the trade deadline. They had they were they were pretty desperate to make moves to get better, and that was made obvious by acquiring George Hill. And the fact that they sent out a, a number one pick that was in a different transaction for, with the Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr. deal. But clearly their own first round pick was on the table and they wanted a player of George Hill's caliber, despite his ridiculous <laughs> salary. He's making 20 mil this year. He's making 19 mil next year. And he has just 1 million guaranteed of his 18 million due um, in 2019, um, 20. But the point is Courtney Lee is much the same player, if not better, than George Hill is at this point. And his contract is more reasonable than that of Hill's. So, like, I I just don't understand why the Cavs weren't more in play if they were so desperate to make this move 
Um, it's, it's just perplexing to me that we weren't able to get a little more value for Courtney Lee, who could really help contenders right now, especially guys like the Cavs who want a player like him. So that's just all yeah, I had to I, say. No, it's a good point, and I agree with it. So I'm, I think that may be all we have for this week, unless you guys have any final thoughts. I don't think you do, but hey. Uh, oh, I know what we have to talk about. Next week, we have two games. We're playing the Wizards. Or no, we're playing the 76ers tomorrow night, and then we're playing the Wizards on Valentine's Day, and then it's the All-Star break. So what? what's our prediction for the week, guys? 76ers and the Wizards. How about you, Kenny? I'm going to go with a strong 0-2, which is hey, probably going to be my prediction pretty much every week from here on out. Yeah, it's going to be a, a theme. Tom, what are you thinking? Can I pick 0-3? Like, <laughs> they're going to they're gonna lose, lose the All-Star game. Too. Yeah. Yes, you can't you know, allow it. So, hey, thanks for listening. Sorry we were not on our A game this pod, I'll say. Uh, but, I mean, follow us on Talking Knicks. Uh, we do some write-ups on a lot of basketball.com. Um, hit us up on Twitter. We, we don't, I don't know. I mean, I'll say we we brought our A game for the majority of it, and then we just didn't close it out, much like the New York Knicks. Oh, that's perfect editing. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week.